This is Pastor Mike, and I want to welcome you to the Life Fellowship Podcast. I know that the trials of each of you experience can often feel overwhelming, and at those times, the enemy tries to bring discouragement into your life. Remember that in John 16, Jesus tells us to be of good cheer because he has overcome the world. Today, as you listen, I pray that God's word ministers to you and that the power of the Holy Spirit deposits joy and peace into your situation. And I, I want to take just a brief moment and share with you just a couple things we got going on uh, with our youth. We're getting ready to go to Winterfest. If you haven't signed up for that, I would advise you to sign up for that. Um, or just please give me a verbal, yes, I'm coming, um, because I'll be registering them uh, at the end of this week, so I need to know at least by Wednesday that you're coming. And then also, uh, we got a Valentine's banquet coming up in February where our youth are going to be serving all of you guys, and it's going to be great, and we'll have more uh, um, about that coming up soon. Then in April, uh, we're doing a, I'm calling it the bunny hop lock-in. It sounds funny, but it's supposed to sound funny. We're going to be going through the life, uh, I mean, through the passion story of Jesus, the last few hours that he had on this earth, and we're going to be discovering what Jesus did for us. We're going to be taking communion. We're going to have a worship service, and then we're going to have a lock-in, and we're going to stay up all night and act crazy and get, um, get crazy on sugar and candy and all kinds of stuff. And I know all the youth are like, yes. So, um, and then in May, we're, we're going to be having a youth revival. And listen, I want each and every person in this place to be praying for that. Uh, the, the guy I got coming to preach, his name's Jonathan Osteen. He's 17 years old, but the dude is on fire for God. He preached at his school last year, at his school, a stadium full of teenagers. And they all... I mean, most of them got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't even give an altar call. They just rushed the field. I mean, it was, it, so this guy, he's already, we've been talking back and forth. He's already in prayer. He's already weeping over these, over these guys, and he is ready. And that's, only, that's, only, that's still five months away, but God is moving. Amen. And I believe God's got some great things. Then we got youth camp, of course. And then at the end of that, we're going to the ramp. So, we got a lot of things that God is going to be doing in our youth in 2020, and I just want you to, to be there for them, support them, guide them, and, and, and just invest in them and pray over them. Amen? And so I want to get into my sermon this morning, and I'm so excited uh, to be here uh, with that. And, um, and one last thing, Pastor misses everybody, he wanted me to tell you. He misses y'all. He, he was really dreading going back to Virginia because uh, it's just such a, it's such a long trip, but they had a great, great wedding with his mother. They had 175 people. Well, that's, that's a, that's an awesome wedding. I, how many, we we maybe, maybe had 120, maybe. Oh, we had 150. Oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. Uh, glad I got my wife here to correct me. Uh, she's going to preach to y'all this morning. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but uh, going into 2020, I believe it's very important that you come to know who you are in Christ. God, this is the vision God's given me for this youth, and, and this is what I'm going to be preaching on, that 2020 is the year of identity, that we come to know who we are in Christ. We live in a society, we live in a world where they don't know who they are. They want to identify as a tree. I, got, I, I saw a, a picture on there that they, 
this guy identifying as a dog, and he dresses up like a dog, and he identifies as a dog. I mean, come on. This, this world's going nuts because we don't know who we are in Christ. We don't know who we are. And if you are in this place today, and you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you to do so because it is the most, the single most important decision you can make in your life. Whether you have accepted Jesus into your heart or not, you have an identity that is found in Jesus. Non-believers have an excuse for not walking in their true identity. They just, they don't believe. But unfortunately, so many believers know they don't know who they are in Christ and what he's done for them. And so they walk with their heads down and poor, pitiful me. And they never experience the true authority, the true power that they have in Christ. And God's ultimate goal for your life is to have heaven on earth. Jesus said this. He said to pray this way. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. God wants heaven on earth for for your life. Some of you can't even picture that. Some of you can't even imagine what it would be like to live a life that's away from depression, that's full of peace, that's away from anxiety, that's full of joy, that's away from sickness, that's full of health and healing. Some of us, we're so far gone, we're so far down, we, we're so beat up and we're so chained and we're so weighed down that we can't, even, we can't even imagine what it would be like for our children to get saved. For our children to get set free. But God's ultimate goal is for that to happen. It's for you and your house to be saved. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? God's ultimate goal for you is to have heaven on earth. And it's not a fantasy. And it's not a fairy tale. It's not just a movie script. And it's not just a nice little story that we read in the Bible. It's the truth. And the Bible says that the truth will what? Set you free. God is a loving father, and he desires nothing but good for your life. Nothing. Nothing but good. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. God is a good and a loving father. He is is slow to anger. He is full of mercy. And he loves each and every one of us. And God's goal for this church, I believe, is to experience revival, is to experience awakening, is to experience growth. But it's going to come when we as individuals resolve within ourselves that we don't want anything short of God's glory. It's going to come when we make the Lord's house a priority, when we make our relationship with Jesus a priority. Revival isn't going to come when parents do whatever they can to get their church, their kids here because they know that their eternity is in the balance. It's more important than football and cheerleading. Their, their eternity is what matters most. I wish I could have played football in college. I wish I could have done all those things and I would have loved it. But, man, I love being with you guys. I love seeing God touch lives. I love seeing lives being changed. And football is not going to do that for you. God knows the Oklahoma Sooners aren't going to do that for you. We got any Oklahoma Sooners fans? Boomer Sooner who? Sorry. Go Tigers. Amen. Amen. Go Tigers. I felt the Lord on that one. Jesus, thank you. God knows the Cowboys ain't going to do it. Who that? I got to throw that in there, Danny. That one's for you, buddy. 
But Jesus, he never fails. He never leaves us. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And revival will only come when people, when we stop making excuses as to why they don't spend time with Jesus every day. But that will only come to happen when we know who we are in Christ. See, the Bible points out that the scribes and Pharisees were so worried about doing this and, and doing that. They were so worried about breaking the law and, and they made they that they made so many unnecessary extra rules and regulations that created such a chasm between man and God that it made it as if God was impossible to please. How many have ever felt like that, that no matter what you do, you can't do anything good? That no matter what you do, your God is still mad at you. We've all felt that way, right? And that is so far from the truth. We were taught that way. We were raised that way. Y'all, you better not go to the movies. You're going to hell. And that is so far from the truth. Because holiness is not an outward appearance. Holiness is an issue of the heart. Holiness is not what I wear on Sunday mornings, whether I wear a suit or whether I have jeans on. Holiness is an issue of my heart because God does not look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And whether you wear a suit or whether you wear jeans, Jesus is Lord. Amen? Instead of doing all these things, the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us to just be. Be who God created you to be. When you begin to walk in your identity that is found in Christ, going to church won't be a problem. Trying to stop smoking won't be a problem. Alcohol, it won't be a problem. Your marriage problems will will fade. The, The healing and miracle that you need won't seem like a dream and it won't seem like it's so far away. For you to see, it will be right here before you. Because your identity is found in Christ. When you be, you will do. And here's what I mean by that. Jesus said that I come not to destroy the law, to dismantle it. I come to fulfill it. See, right, see we got this backwards. Righteousness doesn't come by me going to church and making sure I, I pray three times a day. The Muslims, they pray five times a day. They got me beat, I guess. The Muslims, they, they, they make sure that they, they follow everything that's in the Quran perfectly. And we got, you know, the Bible says don't forsake the assembly, which means get the church. And we make every excuse to not come to church. And I, I'm just sorry, I'm shooting from the hip. I don't play it nicely. We make excuses. I don't really feel good. I don't want to come to church. It's cold outside. It's raining. Ah. Uh, uh, can't move but let let me tell you something Jesus deserves so much more than that (laughs) he died for you he died he gave his life and not only did that he took a crown of thorns that was about this long drove into his skull his 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 flesh was ripped literally from the inside out as the, the, the whip, the cat of nine tails dug into his skin and pulled it out. And I'm sorry to be graphic this morning, but the, the passion of Christ, the cross of Christ is very graphic. And you need to understand the importance of what Jesus did for you. And, and, and he, car- he had to carry his cross several miles to Golgotha where he was then stripped naked and he was placed on there and he was ridiculed, he was spit upon, he was cussed at. And he had you in mind. Now, do you think a God that is always angry at you would do that? No. He loves you. He is so full of mercy. And your identity is in him. 
Your identity is in him. And righteousness and holiness is not gained by my works. Righteousness and holiness is gained by what he did. And he said on the cross, it is finished. There is nothing left for you and I to do but believe, to have faith, to plug in. And you can't earn your way into this thing. But the Bible tells us to literally put on Christ Jesus. And see, that's why it's important for you to know who you are in Christ and to walk in that truth. When you begin to do so, your mind will become renewed. The Bible says to renew your mind. No, it says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, we, we got this backwards. We think that we have to change our direction in order for us to start doing things right. But the Bible says that we need to change our thinking in order for us to start doing things right. If we change our thinking, then our direction will change. Then our direction will change. Then we won't, go, we won't want to watch those movies. We won't want to watch those TV shows because we realize, man, you know what? The Jesus in me is so much better than that filth. The Jesus in me, it's just so much better. I don't want want to go back to the way I was living. I don't want to fall back into those sins. And the Bible tells us, again, literally to put on Christ Jesus. And that's why it's important for you to know who you are in Christ and to walk in that truth. When you begin to do so, your mind will become renewed. Look Look how the enemy tempted Jesus. Let's look at Matthew 4, 1 through 4. Matthew 4, 1 through 4. Brother Charlie, can I get you real quick? Can I get you real quick? I need to give it up for Brother Charlie. I like to give it up for people. He is so awesome. He's about as old as dirt, and he just pours out his life to these youth. I just love him. Brother Charlie's amazing. I love Brother Charlie. I pick on him a lot, but I tell you what, that is an awesome man of God right there. That is an awesome man of God. Matthew 4, 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Command these stones to become bread. If you are the Son of God. Now was Jesus the Son of God? Yes. Then why was the enemy trying to tempt him and say, if you were the son of God. See, the only authority and power Satan has is the authority and the power that you give him. The only scheme, the only chance of succeeding that the enemy has is to distract you and I from our true true identity that is found in Christ. The enemy goes on in Matthew to tempt him two more times, if you were the son of God, if you were the son of God, and he was trying to, get, trying to get Jesus away from his true identity. And that's what the enemy does to us. If you're a son of God, if you're a daughter of God, if you're a royal priesthood, if you're a royal nation, if you're righteous, if you're holy, if you're pure, if you're healed, come on, if you're full of joy, there's all the things that, that we are that Christ has given us. And the enemy wants, he wants to throw things at us that's, go, that's going to try to tempt our identity. And the only power and authority he has is the power that we give him. When we succumb to those things, when we give in to those things, well, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe my children won't get saved. Maybe I won't receive my miracle and my healing. Maybe I'm not worthy. 
Maybe you're right. Devil, maybe I am. And then we fall into this trap. And that's all he does. That's, he's just, a, he's just a, a little weasel. He's like a little gnat. Like, you know, you ever, you ever dealt with gnats, like, and they're just flying all around you? Uh, when we go to the beach, there's, sometimes they get so bad or go fishing. And it's just, that's what the enemy does. He, you're trying to fish and trying to catch something, and the gnats just keep coming, and that's what the enemy does. That's all he is. That's all he is. Jesus took the keys of hell, death, and the grave from him, took all of his authority. He's been stripped. And if you study that in the Greek, he's literally been neutered. He's literally, he has no authority. He has no power except for the power you give him. One theologian describes sin like this, being something that you are not. See, sin is just a distraction. Your sin is not who you are. Your sin does not define your identity. Your temptation does not mean you are a pervert and a bad person. Your depression and your anxiety does not mean that God is not going to come through for you. That is not who you are. That is not your identity. But Jesus, I said, but Jesus has overcome sin and mental anguish. And that's the hope that we have to offer to this world. Yes, we are to be separate, but we are not called to neglect them. We need to embrace the hurting, and we need to have compassion for those that are in need, because think about the time when you needed Jesus. Think about the time when you needed Jesus. There's people out there that are dying and going to hell. There are homeless people that need to know him, that need to be offered hope, that need to be picked up and said, look, let's get you a job. Let's get you something to eat. Let's get you back on track because God has a purpose and God has a destiny for you, amen? Amen. Don't get distracted. But the Bible tells us to lay aside all the weights that so easily distract us. See, Jesus didn't get distracted from his mission. No, he, he kept going. He said, Father, he, make my heart ready. Father, if this be your will, I'm going to go with it. And the Bible says that he was, so, he was under such pressure and such, such just, he knew what was coming with the cross. And he was just like a, like a vice grip and he was just being squeezed. And the Bible says that he was literally sweating drops of blood. And if you look at it scientifically, that, that, that stress can actually, so much stress can actually begin to make the capillaries in your skin begin to burst and blood will flow out. And that's what happened. He was, he was already being crushed before he went to the cross for you. See, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for me. He didn't wait for me to get perfect. Oh, oh, come on. He didn't wait for me to get clean. He didn't wait for me to start coming to church when I was supposed to. He didn't wait for me to get in the youth group. He said, you know what? 2,000 years from now, there's going to be this boy named Dalton, and he's going to go preach for me, and he's going to go do all of this for me. You know what? 2,000 years from me, from now, there's going to be this church called Life Fellowship, and they are going to impact the community of Hearst, and they are going to impact the DFW area, and they are going to impact the state of Texas, and they are going to impact this nation, and they are going to impact this world. Amen? Come on. Whew. Thank you, Jesus. See, the Bible is not just a book of stories and good proverbs. It's not just a, hey, if you do this, your life's going to be good. It's, it's not just a, a, a life coach. It is a book that can change the very fabric of your being. Oh, 
It can bring life to any dead situation and light to any darkness that, that you may face. Don't get distracted. So here's what you need to know this morning. Everything that Christ experienced and did was for you to excel and thrive in this life, to have heaven on earth. Everything he did, from his birth to his ascension, to taking his place at the right hand of the Father, it was for you. He didn't do it so that we can just have an Easter Sunday service. He didn't do it so that we can put up a tree on Christmas and have a pancake breakfast on New Year's Eve. He did it to set you free. He did it for your children and for your grandchildren and for your great-grandchildren. He did it for this community. He did it for you. We all have things that we go through. No one is perfect. Not even our pastor. He might think he's perfect, but he's not perfect. I work with him. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, man. We got the, hey, can we go back on the recording? And I'm going to edit that out on the podcast. But no one's perfect. No one's perfect. Not the, the, Billy Graham wasn't perfect. Benny Hinn, I don't, I don't care who you are. You're not perfect. But God doesn't, he doesn't care. He's not looking for your perfection. He's looking for your heart. He's not asking you to be perfect. He's just asking you to go after him, to seek him. He knows you're going to mess up. But think about that. See, that's why I love that song, Reckless Love, because our God's love is reckless. He knew what he was getting into when he went after you. He knew all of the stuff all of the mess that you were. He knew how many times you were going to mess up. He knew that your marriage was going to fail. He knew that you were going to be a knucklehead and not do things right, but he still went after you. He still leaves the 99. He's still waiting for his son to come back home. He's still waiting to put a ring on his finger and a robe on his back. And even though he was eating from a pig's trough, he's waiting to slay the fatted calf for you and to have a warm, hot meal for you and to have a feast at his table and to call you his own son and daughter because your identity is found in Christ. It's not found in this world. It's not found in your depression. It's not found in your sickness. It's found in him and what he did. By his stripes, I am healed. The punishment of his peace was upon him. I can have peace that surpasses all understanding. I can have joy that goes beyond all knowledge. I can have a love that surpasses my weaknesses. That's the God that I serve. I don't serve some made-up foreign God. I don't serve some, some God that's a golden statue, little fat man going, mm. I serve a God that is real. How do I know he's real? Because I experienced him. I've heard his voice. I've seen him prophesy things over my life. I'll give you one example. I was prophesied over at 13 that I would be a prophet to the nations. I'm sitting in a church service at 14, and the church has all of these flags from all these nations in the world. And I'm like, and God brought that back to my memory that, wow, I'd be a prophet to the nations. So, I, of course, I broke down in tears. I'm worshiping. Thank you, God, for, you know, your promise is true, yeah. And then the guy comes and prays over me and says, you're going to be a prophet to the nations. 
He never, he never knew, he didn't know who I was. He never heard that. God confirms everything that he does. God's word is true. God's word is living. From his birth to his ascension, to taking his place at the right hand of the Father, it was for you. It wasn't for you to live barely getting by. It wasn't for you to live life never doing anything for God. It wasn't for you to stay in depression and sin. And it sure enough wasn't for you to sit in a church pew on Sunday and Wednesday and never experience his love and his presence in a life-changing way. Everything he was and everything he did was for you to find your identity. In him, listen to this, Colossians 3, 1 through 4. We can put it on the screen. Christ's resurrection is your resurrection too. This is why we are to yearn for all that is above. For that's where Christ sits enthroned, at the place of power and honor and authority. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm. And fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the distractions. There's the distractions again of the natural realm. Say the natural realm. Don't fill your mind with the thoughts of the natural realm, with the distractions of the natural realm, with everything that's going on all around you. Yeah, everything seems like a chaos. There seems like there's a storm coming, but let me tell you, don't forget who's in your boat. The disciples, they forgot who was in their boat. They forgot that they were still had the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And though he lay to sleep, he could still rise up and bring peace to the storm. And I came by to tell somebody this morning that he can bring peace to your storm. That he can restore joy to your life and to your marriage. That he can restore joy and salvation to your children. Amen. Amen. God is so good. Whew. Is this good? Is this okay? I'm I'm finishing up here. Your crucifixion with Christ has severed the tie to this life. I love the Passion Translation. If you've never read the Passion Translation, I advise you do so. It is insane. And as Christ himself is seen for who he really is, who you really are will also be revealed. As you see Christ... You should see yourself. Because let me tell you something. The Father God, when he looks at you, he doesn't look at all your mess. He doesn't look at how nasty you are and how smelly you are. And, man, you haven't shaved for three weeks. You look like a scruffly talking to Steve back there. Can't talk to David. He's got baby face. He looks so cute this morning. Love you, David. He's not looking at your mess. He's looking, and when he sees you, Brother Ramey, he sees Christ. When he sees you, Kellen, he sees Christ. He sees Christ. He doesn't see your faults and failures. He sees Christ. What does that tell you? What does that mean to you? Think about that for a moment. Just take it. Take a stop. Forget that you're in church. Forget that you're listening to this wonderful, awesome message from a great and handsome youth pastor. I don't get an amen. That's, you're my wife. There we go. Just take that, just take for a moment and think about it. When God the Father sees you, he sees Christ. Just take that in for a second. That should, that should light a flame inside of you that brings tears to your eyes and joy to your heart. 
1 John 4, 17 says this, By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment. Because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. And listen, from his birth to his ascension, Christ showed us how to live and he gave us the authority and power to do so. Because the Bible says, as I am, as he is, so am I in this world. In his birth, prophecy was fulfilled. This prophecy was spoken many years before and a destiny was drawn out for him. Even before he was conceived, he had purpose and he had destiny. And I believe there are some of you that from birth you have felt worthless, but God has a plan for your life. Jeremiah tells us that before you were conceived in your mother's womb, God knew you and he had a plan for you, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And there may be some of you that are dealing with suicidal thoughts in here this morning because you feel as if you have no place in this world. But I want you to understand that when Jesus was born, the world didn't have a place for him either. And you are not alone. You may feel like you have sinned and you have done so much wrong. And, and no one can understand, but Jesus understands. The Bible says that we have a high priest. And in heaven right now, there is literally a man who is in heaven making intercession for you and I. And the Bible says that everything that went, went through, all the temptations, all of the sin, all of the guilt, everything that we went through, he can identify with and he can say you know what father I know that they're messed up right now but here's my blood you know what father I know that they, they got everything bad going on right now and their marriage is falling apart but here's my blood and God begins to look at you as Christ because of what Jesus did you are not alone you may be battling homosexuality you may be battling alcoholism you may be battling drug addiction you may be battling anger you may be battling depression, anxiety and I could list all things for all day long but I want you to know that there is room here for you there is no shame and there is no condemnation in this house it doesn't matter your ethnicity your social status your background your family lineage we are all welcomed into the kingdom of God and there is grace and there is forgiveness for whatever you're facing this morning because you have purpose and you have meaning in this life because of who he is so am I and let's skip just a little bit forward his adult life he healed the sick, he casted out devils, he raised the dead, offered hope and compassion to those who were hurting and broken ate with sinners and tax collectors who were the most disliked people in all of Israel because they were taxing their own. And he told us, the works that I do, you will do also. And even greater than these, because I go to the Father. See, Jesus didn't just perform miracles, and he didn't just love the sinful because he was a prophet and the Son of God, and that's what he's supposed to do. He did that intentionally. He did those things intentionally to show us how to minister to people. You don't have to be a preacher to preach. You don't have to be a teacher to teach. You don't have to be a prophesy to prophesy and evangelist to evangelize. If you have Christ in you, there is a world that needs to know it. All of us. The Bible says that we were in, when they were in the upper room, they were in one mind and in one accord. We should all be telling people about Jesus. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how long you've been in church. Well, you know, I, I failed so many times. And what if people, what if people don't respond? What if they do? <laughs> 
And listen, this is my favorite part. Because in his death, my sins were forgiven. And the power of sin was broken off my life. I was redeemed from my past. I was offered hope and forgiveness. I was pulled out of light and darkness. In his resurrection, I was given new life. Though I was dead in my sins, he made me alive. Just like he called Lazarus out of the grave. He called me by my name. And he said, Dalton, come forth. Oh, come on. And when I rose from that former way of life, when I got out of that sin and when I got out of that struggle, I had to leave those old rags behind. I'm going to ask Brother Charlie to come forward. I love Brother Charlie. Uh, I'm going to get you to help me out there. Get miss you, buddy. How's school? School going good? No problem. I'm going to get you to wrap this young man in this toilet paper here. Go ahead. Yep, wrap him. Hey, any youth want to help him? I got some youth. I need, I need y'all's help. If y'all want to help him, wrap Come on. Come on. You know, this is your only opportunity to wrap an old man in toilet paper. We need to do this. And I'm finishing up here. I, prom- I know this is like my fourth closing, but I'm finishing up here. I promise. Wrap his face. We don't want to see it. I'm sorry. I love you. You're beautiful. I'm sorry. I'm the youth pastor. I don't always say things that are politically correct, but we love you, Brother Charlie. You don't have to wrap his face. We want to see those beautiful, gorgeous eyes. So this is a good look for you, actually. It's great. And see, when I rose from that life, I had to leave the old rags behind. I had to leave the hurt and destruction that I caused to myself and others behind. I had to leave the past behind. Y'all can stop. Y'all can stop. That's good. You can hold it right there. You can hold it right there. And when Lazarus rose from the dead, you say, right, I'm going to need you right here. Right here. I'm going to need you right here. When Lazarus rose from the dead, this is what he commanded him. Because, see, Lazarus was all wrapped up, and he came out of the tomb. Give me, give me your best Lazarus impersonation. Oh, that's great. Jesus. That's wonderful. That was great. That's what Lazarus sounded like when he came out. And Jesus said, you need to remove those rags. Why? Because he's no longer dead. And listen, come, come take, him, take those rags off. Take those rags out. Rip it off of him. Rip it off of him. Listen. <laughs> when Lazarus rose, he told them to unwrap him and loose him. And listen, I know some of you need to, need to hear this morning that you have been freed You are alive in Christ. And not only are you alive in Christ, you have been freed from your sin and from your guilt and from your condemnation. You don't have to wear those rags anymore. You don't have to wear that guilt anymore. Erica, if I can ask you to come. Thank you, guys. Y'all are awesome. If you can grab that toilet paper for me. You can use that later if you need to, Charlie. You can take it back with you. You can take it back with you. At least I make y'all laugh. I mean, come on. See, some of you don't know that you have been freed, but you need to know that the grave clothes have been removed from you. And in his ascension, because everything that Christ did his whole life, 
his whole life I can identify with because everything he did was for me. And in his ascension, I was given authority and I was given power by the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells me, I don't know about you, but the Bible tells me that I am seated with Jesus. Where? In heavenly places. That's right. You're seated with him in heavenly places. At the right hand of the Father, far above all darkness, power, and authority in this world. And Ephesians 2, 6 says this. He raised us up with Christ and exalted the exalted one. And when we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm, for we now are co-seated as one with Christ. The Bible tells me that I have been given an inheritance. And that inheritance is the Holy Spirit. See, God doesn't just offer you a set of rules to live by. He gives you everything you need to be successful in this spiritual walk. And He does so by way of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told His disciples to remain in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come. Why? Because they need... They needed the power to walk this thing out. And you and I, we need the power to walk this thing out. See, the Bible says that Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit before he began his ministry. And being in flesh, the Son of God needed the Holy Spirit. How much more do you and I need the Holy Spirit? See, the Holy Spirit is not some mysterious being that that calls Pentecostals and Charismatics to go crazy and start jumping pews and speaking in them tongue things. The Holy Spirit is here to get you through life. He's here to illuminate Jesus in you. He's here to work through you. Though that happens because when when the spiritual power of God hits you, crazy things are going to happen. And we're not drunk as as you suppose. But He's not just a feel-good. He's more than just a tingling feeling that you get. He is life itself. He is the very power you need to make it through. And Ephesians 2.18 says, And now, because we are united with Christ, we both, have an, we both have equal and direct access in the realm of the Holy Spirit to come before the Father. The Holy Spirit gives us access into the throne room by way of the blood of Jesus. You want more of God? Get baptized in the Holy Spirit. You want more of God? Get filled with His life. Ephesians 2.7-10 And you can stand with me says this throughout the coming ages we will be visible we will be the visible display of the infinite limitless riches of his grace and kindness you will be the display of God's goodness on this earth for it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him nothing we did could ever earn this salvation for it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ so no one will be able to boast For salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. We have become His poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny He has given each of us. You will fulfill the destiny and the calling that God has placed on your life. For we are joined with Jesus. Say, joined with Jesus. The anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned and advanced our destiny and the good works that we would do to fulfill it. You are called. You are chosen. And your identity is found in Christ. And friend, the Bible says that you were created in His image. That you are fearfully 
and wonderfully made. Listen, I'm tired of having normal church. I, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of having normal American church. In Africa, that people are getting saved by the millions. By the millions. Islamists are having visions of Jesus and they are getting saved by the millions. You don't hear it on, on the national news because that would break up the agenda that, that God's not real. But let me tell you something. Jesus, He is so real. He's more real than the air that you breathe. He's more real than the clothes that you put on every day, than the food that you eat. Come on. Just begin to worship Him right now. Come on, all across this room. Father, we praise You. We thank You, Lord, that our identity is found in You, Lord. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm not... I was praying about what to do for an altar call this morning, what what way God wanted to lead, but I, I just feel, I feel led to say, you know what? If you really want all that God has for you, if you want a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, if you need some youth, If you're old this morning, let's just be real. If you're old this morning and you need some youth in your bones to go after God again. If you're young this morning, if you've never experienced Him, these altars are going to be open. And the power of God is going to touch your life and you're never going to be the same. Not because I'm praying for you, but because the Holy Spirit is moving in this place. If you want to get real with God this morning, this altar is open. Thank you for listening to our podcast here at Life Fellowship Church in Hearst, Texas. God is doing great things at our church, and we would like for you to be a part. Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 6.45 p.m. Get connected with us through Facebook or our website at www.lifefellowshiphearst.org. Thank you, and God bless.